This is a special episode of One Decision. I'm your host, Julia McFarlane. This week, airstrikes by Myanmar's ruling military allegedly killed more than 60 people at a concert, according to rescue workers and members of the Kachin ethnic minority political organization. It comes just days before Southeast Asian foreign ministers are to hold a meeting in Indonesia to discuss the violence in Myanmar. Last year, the Burmese military, who seized power from the civilian government, fired their ambassador to the UN. Chamo Tan made global headlines when he appealed to the international community to help his country and the elected government to whom he remained loyal. It's been a year since we debuted our podcast, which sits down with the key decision makers, politicians past and present, activists and experts around the world to examine the choices made that have shaped our lives. Our very first guest was Chamo Tan, or Joe as he likes to be known. That speech he made was beamed across the world, and he ended it with the three-fingered salute, a symbol made famous from the Hunger Games movies that have become adopted by pro-democratic protesters around the world, but especially in Southeast Asia. State TV denounced Joe, saying he betrayed his country, announcing he was fired and no longer recognised by the junta. But he remains in place at the UN, representing a civilian government that has been dismantled since the coup, with all of its central leaders either arrested or detained, while the dictatorial General Min Aung Lang ultimately rules. We caught up with Joe in New York on the sidelines of the UN General Assembly, a year since our first conversation, and just a few days after the grim news earlier this autumn that a military airstrike in Myanmar had hit a school, killing nearly a dozen people, including several children. It's a real privilege to be able to reconnect with you um, a year after our inaugural podcast where you were our guest of honour. You're here at the United Nations. You are a representative of the National Unity Government. That civilian government was deposed in a coup by the military junta uh, back in February 2021. Talk to us firstly about how this week at the UN has gone for you. What is the message that you are hoping to bring to the international community and and, and what is the plea that you are uh, that that you are giving to the UN General Assembly? Oh, thank thank you so much for giving this opportunity to to meet you again uh, uh, here at this year. Of course, uh, the the situation back there in Myanmar is really uh, deteriorating, and the many people being killed. It's now over the 19 months, uh, more than 2,300 people being brutally killed. And then many people being arrested and the torture, and then also like uh, 14 million people are in a situation of food insecurity, and then also 1.3 million people uh, uh, became became uh, internally displaced persons, and then also five million children. Are in need of humanitarian assistance, so it is quite uh, quite challenging uh, for the people of Myanmar. It look at in terms of economy, half of the population it is equivalent to 25 million people are now living under the national poverty line. So it is quite uh, quite quite challenging, and also we many of us are worried about. If the the military state drug the uh, drugging their power, then the situation where 
much worse than the ever. So that is why we, we, the people of Myanmar, together with ethnic uh, resistance organizations, they are, we are working together to end this military dictatorship in Myanmar. Then we need help from the international community. But we like to thank those uh, countries who are supporting us. So the international community should come in and take the decisive actions against the military dictatorship. Yeah. That is what we need. So that is, if I had a chance, I would inform to the international community through the UN platform that the people are suffering. We also we need the assistance like those who are giving to the Ukraine, that the people of Myanmar are also equally need that kind of assistance from the international community. It's been a year since uh, that very impassioned speech that you gave at the UN appealing to the international community on behalf of the people of Myanmar, representing not the current government, in inverted commas, in charge running the country under General Min Aung Lang, but the national unity government, which was headed up by Aung San Suu Kyi, uh, who, is now, who is now detained. What has been your reception at, at the UN one year later? Who have, which delegations have you been speaking to? Who do you feel is, is really on your side? I'm trying to reach out to the member states, the delegation here in New York as much as possible. Of course, uh, the member states have their own interests, the member states have their own policy, own, po- own positions uh, with regard to the, uh, the situation uh, in, in Myanmar. Of course, you know, because in, in, in the case of Myanmar, we are always uh, mentioned about, you know, we are fighting for democracy, restoration of democracy. We are working together with all our partners to to, to promote and protect the human rights in, in Myanmar. Of course, some member states, they explicitly uh, uh, express their support uh, towards the people of Myanmar, in particular, national unity government, and also our efforts for restoration of democracy. Of course, the uh, United States, United Kingdom, the European Union, and the others, uh, they are working uh, side by side with us, but some of them express explicitly that they support towards the national unity government. And and what is the status of your mission here in New York? Because, of course, you represent a government that was overthrown um, in a military coup uh, whose leaders are mostly in, in jail. The UN was was postponing a decision on continuing to recognise the, the national unity government and you as ambassador. The military junta back in Myanmar are obviously very unhappy with you. Uh, they want to replace you with someone of their own choosing. Uh, what is the latest on that? Has the UN decided to continue its recognition of the national unity uh, government as the legitimate government in Myanmar and how does that work on a practical level that there is recognition of a government that has been disassembled? Yeah. Thank, thank you so much for raising this question. You may aware that you know the people of Myanmar express uh, their wishes uh, to keep the current permanent representative of Myanmar to the UN at this post because last year the UN General Assembly's 
uh, Credentials Committee decided, as you rightly mentioned, that decided to defer the decision so that according to that decision, the current permanent representative will continue. Like I'm continue doing as a permanent representative of Myanmar to the UN. And then I do, like I mentioned earlier, I convey the messages of the people of Myanmar and that I inform the desire of the people of Myanmar to the international community through this UN platform. So that is my main part of the responsibility. Of course, I try to make sure that any any representation from the military not participating in the any kind of UN meetings. Mm. So that's the way with the help from the our friends and colleagues and the you know the the all the democracy loving countries mm. we 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 st- we stay can you know stop the participation from the military to the UN meetings. Mm. But we hope that you know the the member states of the UN, in particular, the permanent members of the UN Security Council, have more willingness to reform the Security Council. I think in the near future we can move somewhere, mm. but it's a be definitely it will take time. So, so that is very very uh, challenging issue that we are facing. But it, of course, we really like to see a resolution adopted at the UN Security Council and do understand that at this moment uh, 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 United Kingdom is is already initiated uh, to uh, uh, to have a draft resolution at the UN Security Council as as you rightly m- uh, pointed out that we really like to see the elements to be contained in the draft resolution be strong enough for protecting and saving life of the people of Myanmar. That is what is come to the EMS embargo. But I don't know, it's, it's very difficult, mm-hmm. definitely because of the, the, the rule of the permanent members and rule of the uh, negative vote from the permanent members where say a lot. But, but at the same time, because of the veto initiative resolution that initiated by the Liechtenstein, whenever there is a resolution being killed, by the negative vote from the uh, the permanent member states, then it's where automatically came to the general assembly. Mm. So that is also another option that we are looking forward. You're dancing around the elephant in the room, which is China. Uh, talk to me about your your understanding of of the Chinese position as it currently stands and their relationship. Uh, with the Myanmar military. Do you talk to the Chinese? And do you think there is any chance that one day the Chinese would uh, allow a, a binding resolution on something like an arms embargo to throttle the military? Yeah, of course, that is what the people of Myanmar are expecting. Uh, of course, uh, here as a diplomat, of course, we, we meet and, and, and talk but sometimes informally, right? So, so that that's the way we meet because, as a members of the United Nations, as a permanent representative of Myanmar, so we attending the meeting, uh, 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 meeting each other on the way at the corridor. That that's the way the engagement that that that, that we we have. Of course, the relationship between 
between the military and the China. It is, you know, because we look at the recently, there is a visit by the Chinese Foreign Minister Wen Yi to Myanmar for attending the uh, uh, the, the Lanchan Mekong uh, sub-regional group meetings. But what we learned is that the Chinese Foreign Minister make it clear that the visit is for the meeting, for the, the, the regional meeting, not for the bilateral meeting. So I do understand that during the visit, he didn't meet with the Mayang Lai. So to engagement between the military and the China, at this moment when it's, it's come to the, you know, uh, the procurements of the arms, weapons, uh, ammunitions, I think now mostly the procurement is coming uh, from the uh, the Russia instead of China. So that 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 is there's some changes that we have uh, lately. But that change is not immediately, but uh, it's like in, during the three four years ago, it's already the military procurement is more focused on on Russia instead of China. I, I'm I'm so glad you you bring that up because it's it's interesting what you what you said about the Chinese trying to be very deliberate about the fact that they were they were there for a regional conference, not specifically for by for bilateral talks. Is that possibly? This, the the tiniest change of positioning slightly from Beijing because it wasn't long after the coup happened, was it not, that the Chinese did actually send a delegation to Myanmar. And I do believe also Sergei Lavrov also popped up uh, in Myanmar not that long after after the coup uh, that overthrew the, civil, the civilian government. Yeah, uh, the Russian foreign minister, Mr. Lavrov, he visited Myanmar actually last month. Uh, the uh, th- uh, on third August, uh, on the way to Phnom Penh to participate in the ASEAN-related meetings, uh, so the, he visited. He clearly made that this is a bilateral visit, and he 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 expressed their support towards the military. So that visit made a lot a lot of uh, disappointments and to the people of Myanmar. So we. We are very clear in this point that you know because we don't want any member state to uh, to recognize the military because the, this is the military the, uh, which is supposed to protect the, its own people, but they are the one who killing the people, uh, who arresting the all the you know uh, the anti-military movement so that that sort of thing that you know we want them to see it we want them to listen the voices of the people so the good thing that what we still have is that even though there is some engagement from china the engagement from russia there is no publicly you know uh, recognizing the military but that's that's so interesting would you say that perhaps the the key relationship for for the military has changed and, and it's not so much the chinese but the russians who they are becoming closer with yeah that is what we see is uh, look at the visit of the main online so main online just only visited russia uh, i think this year the, he already visited russia two times one is the private visit one is the uh, the, the attending the uh, uh, east asia forum uh, so whatever the visit that take place, it means that you know the, there is an engagement. Because also what we we learn is that there is some uh, uh, signing the contract, mm. but it's a, I I don't see it's just like a government to government uh, 
like agreement, but it's a bit like a, you know uh, uh, contracting with a, a private company or contracting with a company. So that's sort of uh, yeah. impression that, that that I have. But anyway, uh, what we like to we we always like to appeal or we like always like to urge the member state is that you know don't support the military. That way, that supporting the military is, you know, indirectly supporting the military to care people. So that is very, very important. That don't support the military. Well, well, the Russians are very quickly running out of people to do business with, and I, and I, and uh, the the Myanmar military as well, who control a lot of business uh, of your country, uh, also perhaps in, the, in a similar position. You said. Uh, you said earlier that you want the world to to aid Myanmar and help Myanmar in a way that it has helped Ukraine. Is that uh, are you asking the international community to help in a, in a military sense in the, in the way that they have with with Ukraine? Is that a call to arms, or do you mean more uh, in in terms of focusing commitments and and helping with resources? What exactly do you mean by that? That the world should help Myanmar the way it's helped th- Ukraine. Th- thank you, thank you. Both sense right because uh, intense of commitment is also very important because the one is ten of commitments. Of course, the member states are uh, keep expressing their commitment towards the people of Myanmar for our efforts for the restoration of democracy. Those commitments need to be translated into the action, of course, uh, so that in that that sense, you know, that we need the strong and decisive commitments from all the, 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 our supporters, all the, you know, our friendly uh, countries uh, uh, to towards the people of Myanmar. Of course, as a diplomat, maybe my answer may be uh, quite weak, but Sabi, what we always mention is that we need to have the support, not only in the financial way, but also in, in kind. That is when, when we are mentioned about in kind, it can be considered everything. Two days ago, there was a military airstrike on a school in Myanmar in which 11 children had been killed. The military, which is led by General Minang Lang, they worked with ASEAN last year on a five-point plan for peace. And ASEAN, at the moment, are continuing dialogue with the military, trying to convince them to reform, to to cease their attacks on the civilian population. ASEAN are going to revisit that decision in November. Given what the military is doing to the civilian population, to the people of Myanmar, the people it is supposed to protect, as you say, what do you say to ASEAN about their engagement with the military and General Minang Lang, is it time f- for them to cease engagement with a man who, who leads his army to do things like carry out airstrikes on schools? There are so many such incidents took place in Myanmar. Whenever the assist- uh, incident happened, the international community came out and condemned the attacks. But what we want is that how to prevent it, that the lives of the people, especially the children, they are our future. 
how to prevent those our future being killed. So that sort of you know action that we need from the international community. So that is why people keep saying that statements is already enough. We need the action. We need the decisive action from the international community. So that is why you know we like to see a decision, a resolution coming out from the UN Security Council to stop the Myanmar line to kill its own people. So that is why, you know, taking this opportunity, I like to appeal the international community to listen thoroughly and listen attentively to the people of Myanmar who are asking, who are helpless and asking for the help from the international community to save lives in save lives of the people of Myanmar. Try, I, I put myself in the shoes of our uh, fellow citizens in Myanmar who are the victims of the atrocity of the, uh, of the military. I also have children, you know, my son is three years old, my daughter is 14 years old. If my son or my daughter happened like the others, how you will react it. So that is very clear, the message that I want to give to the international community is that please save lives of innocent civilians in Myanmar by taking decisive action without, without waiting anything, without waiting any circumstances. Time is already due. We need the immediate and timely action from the international community. I want to ask you about Aung San Suu Kyi. Uh, Once the darling of the West, she had her Nobel Peace Prize revoked by the international community as the Rohingya crisis raged in Myanmar. More than a million people were forced from their homes. Harrowing reports of torture, of killings, of rape as a weapon of war. Absolute atrocities committed on on people from Rakhine State in, in your country. That was never news. The military has been doing what it's been doing for for decades. And while I think a lot of the international community will appreciate that Aung San Suu Kyi was in a difficult position and given everything we've said about how, how much strength the military has, she nevertheless, she never condemned what was being done to the Rohingya. What, how do you feel about that? So during 2016-2017, people not really know about the, uh, the, the atrocities that committed by the military because of the, you know, all kinds of misinformation, disinformation. So the information reached to the, uh, uh, to the people uh, sometimes is, is sort of make up or sort of, you know, or trying to make uh, the you know in favor of the military action, so that sort of information that we receive, you know, including ourselves. So, but uh, that is why the Don Sansuchi has said, trying to bring the international involvement in the solving the issue of the uh, Rohingya, so that she invited the Kofi Annan, former UN Secretary General, to lead the uh, the, the, the the commission. Uh, and uh, we call it Yakai Commission uh, to find the, the 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 ways for solving the problem. Mm-hmm. 
So the 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 commission lasted for one year. The mandate is one year. So the the commission came out with the eighty eight recommendations that the Aung San Suu Kyi government welcome and you know they are committed to implement those eighty eight recommendations. Then we know that there were atrocity take place. Then there is an issue brought to the ICJ. So the Aung San Suu Kyi government. At the time, is very. They are working on the really on the thin lines. One side is the perception of international community, and another side is perception of the people ourselves. But but now many people know that the atrocities of the military is really terrible. Is the amounting to the crimes against humanity. So that is why in the people of Myanmar, the national unity government, we withdrew. The, our plenary objections uh, 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 with regard to the jurisdictions of the ICJs over the case. That is the position of the people now. So I think because of that military coup, I think the issue of the Rohingya can be resolved uh, in the future because the people are already with everyone. I mean, with the Rohingya now, is it's very clear that all the root causes. Are coming from the military, so we need to end this military dictatorship. I'm very struck by two things you said. So you say that the people of Myanmar who had been subjected to misinformation were not aware of what was happening to the Rohingya, the displacement of millions of people from swathes of your country, uh, and and the I mean the considerable international attention uh, and and prolific coverage on social media and, and international outlets that were laser focused on it at the time. You're saying that they did not know what was being done to the Rohingya. And then you also said that, that Aung San Suu Kyi knew perfectly well what the military were doing, but she never conceded that there was ethnic cleansing, that there were crimes against humanity being committed. She, she maybe, knew, maybe she knew that and privately acknowledged it, but she never conceded it publicly. Now, I think that Aung San Suu Kyi, she clearly made that the atrocities took place. That is the public statement that she made at the ICJ. That is very clear. The atrocities did, did place. But she the po- defended the military many times to the international community, which is why the the Nobel Committee withdrew her peace prize. I'm not trying to defend on San Suu Kyi, but what I'm trying to say is that she, look at the sentiment at the time, Mm. the people of Myanmar. You look at all the news, you look at the social media, how the people that responded to the issue, how the, you know, a change of comment mm. taking place in social media. Mm. I mean, the government stress is that we need to bring those perpetrators to the justice. Mm. That is clear. But what she always pointed out is that we need to exalt the domestic justice system first. Mm. That is the point that she raised with regard to the coming in of the international justice system. But for us, it's very clear on, uh, since the 1st of February 2021, domestic justice system is already failed. Mm. So we need the international justice system to come in and, 
and bring the perpetrators to the justice. I, I take your point and and your point that it may have been very unpopular with the population if Aung San Suu Kyi had stood up and and criticised uh, the, the military. But that's a very populist move. She, she should have been better than that, shouldn't she? She was a global icon for human rights and for peace and for dignity and for the rule of law. Yeah, thank you. That, that is all the comments that I always, uh, always receive, but at the same time, uh, put in ourselves in the shoes of Don San Suu Kyi. As, as, a, as in the opposition and as in a, 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 a government, who is a, a person lead the government, so that she need to think of all the dimensions. Of course, one point is we need to look at from the human rights point of view, yeah. but at the same time, the other, other point is the unity and reconciliation. So that sort of dimension that she also need to, to again, I'm not mm. defending her, but the that. way that, you know, as a person who are in the government, who lead the government, she need to take into account of all the dimensions that she being asked to, mm. or she she has to uh, to listen to. So that that sort of name, maybe sometimes some group of people may not satisfy with what she's doing. Maybe some group of uh, people also may not be happy with the the way that she stands. So during what I can recall is during that time in 1980s, 19, uh, 2018, 2019, she got uh, blames from both sides. But when people inside the country say that we, uh, the government is not doing enough mm. for the people Yakai, mm. and then also international community got uh, blamed that the Aung Suchi didn't do enough for the Rohingya. So that sort of I take your that. point. Can I ask one final question? So you you hinted that perhaps people's perceptions had changed since the coup. Does that mean that? that the civilian population, the people of Myanmar, perhaps they feel a little differently now about the, the case of the Rohingya. Is that some, what you were alluding to, that perhaps yeah, maybe it, they are now realising perhaps the yeah, military exa- did? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Because whoever I talk to, whoever, even, you know, whoever, uh, those who have the, uh, I should say, not really favourable perception toward the Rohingyas. Now, after the military coup, they their perception is, D- different from from before, you know. Mm. That is why we are very confident that, you know, when the 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 military dictatorship is end, mm. the the issue of Rohingya, we 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 are very very confident that we can re- resolve the issue of Rohingya because that is why we keep uh, expressing our you know uh, hope and also uh, expressing our belief that the repatriation of the Rohingya can take place after the end of the military dictatorship. That is what we like to see because we want them to come back to the the places of origin. I'm so pleased that there is a sliver of a silver lining after all of that, but it's nice to end on a positive and optimistic note. That's it for this special episode of One Decision. For more conversations on foreign policy and how key decisions have influenced the world we live in, why not like and subscribe so you never have to miss an episode? We drop full shows every Thursday. From me and the team, thanks for listening and see you next time.